that changed their lives. And this has the potential to change ours. I am so glad you have decided to join me. We look outside and we can see that the sun is peeking its head above the horizon and turning the sky above the Atlantic Ocean different shades of pink, orange, and red. It's glorious. I move toward my favorite overstuffed armchair where I often sit to pray and think. It's surrounded by some of my favorite things. A photograph of my father and me teaching together when he was ninety, the handful of books that have made the greatest impact on my life, and several favorite items from my John Wesley collection. The view of the ocean is spectacular. I invite you to settle in beside me in the comfortable chair that matches my own. A third chair, positioned across from us, is empty. We sit silently, wondering who will be the first to arrive and meet with us. We don't have to wait long. We can hear someone walking up the hallway, the sound of leather soles gently treading on the stone floor. And then he's standing in the doorway. A bald man, neither young nor old. He wears a plain tunic with a leather belt. On his shoulders rests a camel hair cloak. We can see that near the neck there is an odd shaped tear in the cloak that shows signs of having been repaired. The man's expression is intense, serious. I wonder who this might be. I was a man of great influence in my country, he says eyeing us intently as he walks over and settles into the chair opposite us. I had the confidence of the people, the ear of the king, and the power of God. I condemned King Ahab, the most wicked of Israel's kings. I prophesied the three-year drought, and I proved to everyone that Baal was an impotent false god, worthy of nothing but contempt. Of course, it's Elijah. We are face to face with Elijah. This Old Testament prophet stood up to Ahab, the king who was said to have sold himself to do evil and who did more to provoke God than all the other kings of Israel before him. Ahab married Jezebel, who brought Baal worship to Israel, and urged Ahab to abandon God and chase false gods. When Ahab built altars and temples to these false gods, Elijah told the wicked king that a drought would settle on Israel until Elijah declared that it would end. Ahab and Jezebel became so furious that they wanted to kill Elijah, and the prophet had to flee. But God took care of him, first by having ravens bring him food, and then by leading him to a widow in Zarephath whose flour and oil were miraculously replenished, so that Elijah, the widow, and her son could stay fed. I have something important to tell you, Elijah says, as he fixes us with his eyes. God loves you on your bad days. The Best of Days I'm surprised to hear Elijah talk about bad days, because he was at the center of one of the greatest days in Israel's history. After three long years of drought, God told Elijah to present himself to Ahab because God was finally going to make it rain. 
But first Elijah was going to show all of Israel that God is God, and that Baal, the supposed god of fertility and rain, was nothing. It was a great day because... 1. God chose Elijah for this important assignment. God had chosen Elijah to tell Ahab there would be a drought three years before, but that didn't mean he had to choose Elijah again. But he did. He invited Elijah to perform one of the greatest miracles ever witnessed on earth. 2. Elijah fearlessly obeyed God. It took courage for Elijah to face Israel's king and tell him that he was to blame for the nation's problems. It took boldness for Elijah to tell Ahab to summon Jezebel's favorites, the 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah, to Mount Carmel. It took confidence for him to challenge Baal's prophets to summon fire from their god to burn their sacrifice.